Shavua Tov and uh, welcome to another week of Soul to Soul on Chai FM where we spend time teaching Torah, learning Torah, spreading the message of Torah to, to the masses, to everybody out there who's listening and to beyond because Torah is Torah Chayim, the it is the education of life. It is the teaching of life. Um, and if we want to know how to live our lives, how we should behave, what we should be thinking, what decisions we should be taking, what is important in life, we have an absolute yardstick written by Hashem himself, given to Moshe Rabbeinu, who passed it on to the Jewish people at the momentous Har Sinai, at Mount Sinai, at the giving of the Torah, and which we Jews have clung to for the last three and a half thousand years. We have lived by the words of the Torah, which, if you look into it very, very carefully, you will see is eternal, it is truth, um, and it is who we are. So welcome to a session of Torah learning. We specifically are learning the book of Tehillim, the book of Psalms. And we are going to be wrapping up um, a set of six Tehillim, six chapters of Psalms that we have been learning together for the last couple of weeks um, on the, 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 the section called the Hallel, the Tehillim, the chapters of praise. Um, last when we met, I've been away now for two weeks, um, we did chapter 117, which we learned was the shortest chapter of Tehillim. And now we're actually going into quite a lengthy chapter, the last of the six uh, chapters of Tehillim for the um, the section that we call Halal. Um, and we're probably going to get through maybe half of it right now and finish up next week with the other half. So we're on to chapter 118. 18. And um, as always, we know that King David is the author of the Tehillim. Primarily, he does go and take other Tehillim, which he, uh, you know, he, he got, came into his position or he knew prophetically was authored by other people such as Moses, such as um, Adam um, and others. And he also incorporated it into the book of Tehillim. But these particular Tehillim were, were penned by himself. And chapter 118 specifically is um, a chapter or a set of verses that expresses King David's relief. Um, he got major relief when he found out about the death of King Saul. Why? Because King Saul, Melech Shaul, pursued him, pursued him relentlessly throughout his entire life, trying to kill David. There are many, many chapters of Tehillim where we read of David's anguish and David's loneliness and David's sense of impending danger um, that he found himself in because Shaul was always looking to to kill him. This chapter in particular, um, in terms of a time frame, is based at a time when um, King, King Saul has, has passed away. Um, David feels total relief. And as he is ascending to the throne, King David is now envisioning many, many wonderful improvements, which he he pl- he's, he's planning to make for the enhancement of his kingdom and for the welfare of his subjects. And, of course, his greatest desire was that he at least started the building of the temple by, by um, getting to the foundations, etc., etc. As we know, King, King Solomon, Melech Shlomo, um, his son, actually um, did the actual building of the temple and, and, and the inauguration of the temple. But David was very, very much um, involved in putting down the foundations. So 
as we read through it, a lot of what was saying just encapsulated in the time frame is about King David and that period of life where King Saul is no longer and he's now able to ascend the throne and able to you know, rule his people with the the values and 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 morals and and um, ideas that he he wants to. But as always, whenever we're learning Torah, Torah isn't just a one-dimensional thing. It isn't just something that you place in context historically and say, "Well, that's what it was then." King David was a prophet. King David um, saw with 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 quite clear insight. Um, about the end of times, the end of days, and so on a national level, so to speak, this this Tehillim, this chapter of Tehillim reflects the joy as well that the the children of Israel, the Jewish people, will experience at the final redemption when Israel will return itself to its former glory and we will revive all the noble traditions and institutions that we have lost, such as the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, such as the Sanhedrin, which is our judicial court, etc., etc. And every segment of Jewish society is going to be affected by, by, by this whole thing, and everybody is going to get involved. So as we get, go along and we learn each and every single verse of this, we're going to be understanding it contextually, historically, in a time of where King David was, where he was. We're going to understand it on a national level of, um, um, and in a sense, have a sense of imagination of what it's going to be like um, in the future. And of course, because Torah is timeless, and it is Torah's Chaim, it is the Torah of life, and it gives instruction to each and every one of us every day in our lives. There's an instruction for right now, for each and every one of us to view life through through a certain prism, through a certain paradigm, and we'll be mentioning that as well. So um, that is to mention before we get started. And the second thing is that you will see that certain uh, verses of this Tehillim are actually found in a, di- a different um, composition um, in in our in our Sidur, and that is the the um, ceremony of Tashlich, Tashlich being that ceremony which we're going to be performing in two and a half months' time. When comes Rosh Hashanah, the first day of Rosh Hashanah, we have a custom to go to a body of water where there are fish and perform the ceremony of Tashlich. And chapters, sorry, not chapters, verses five to nine um, of the ceremony of Tashlich is actually derived from this chapter of Tehillim, chapter 118. But we'll mention some more of that when we get to chapter 5. Um, and as always, before we get stuck into the actual chapters, I always welcome questions, comments, um, anything you want to say or ask on on what I'm teaching. The on-air number is 074-654-7335. You can always SMS very easily on 34519. And, of course, now we've got our WhatsApp number, which is 062-148-2374. So let's get stuck into a couple of verses before we go for a break. Uh, The first four verses um, are actually... Uh, a repetition of an earlier chapter where um, we are called to give thanks to Hashem. They read like this, Hodul Hashem Kitov, give thanks to Hashem for He is good, Kilo Olam Chazdo, because His kindness endures forever. Um, and this really is a very good adage, a very good uh, 
kind of like couple of words that we should actually keep rolling off our lips, you know, when things are going good and we see that we have health, we have parnosa, we have love, we have all the stuff that we need, we should be saying, um, give thanks to Hashem for his good. It's a general expression of saying thanks to God. And we know that in Judaism, no matter what occurs, Hashem is always good. God is always good. And everything he does is for the best, even though this may not immediately be apparent um to man. So Hodullah Hashem Kitov are four wor- four words that we really, really should use in our daily uh, lexicon of, of, of expressions of thanks, together with Baruch Hashem, thanks God, uh, to understand that Hashem is always good, even when things don't go our way. Hashem is good. Sometimes he is doing things, you know, they kind of like get hidden. We don't really understand why he's doing them. They are they can be painful sometimes, exceedingly painful. But Judaism's idea of God being a negative, punishing um, entity is, does, is, is not correct. God is good like a loving parent. And sometimes a parent has to discipline, a parent has to hold a kid, a parent has to, uh, to, 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 to punish a kid, or a parent has to discipline a kid, rather. Punish is a very harsh word. Discipline is probably a better one. Um, and a child should understand that the love that the parent has for the child, it's, it's there. And whilst it might be painful now, what the parent is doing to the kid, it is indeed for the kid's good. And that's why we also say, because his kindness endures forever. There are many times when visible kindness is followed by periods of what we call hesterpanim, concealment of divine presence. Um, and so King David is reassuring Israel that Hashem's kindness, chazdo, his kindness will endure forever and it will manifest itself again through each, each, um, each period of concealment. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Okay, so we launched into the first verse, give thanks to Hashem for his good, because forever, forever, when we go and have 2020 hindsight and we look back, we will see that Hashem, um, Hashem's kindness um, has always been constant. It's unfailing, um, even though perhaps we in our limited visions haven't seen that. Then what happens is King David then speaks to various groups of people in Israel, um, in the, amongst the Jewish people and individually targets them. He says in verse two, Yomar na Yisrael, let Israel say, let Israel say his kindness endures forever. So he's talking now cumulatively to the general populace of the Jewish people. Um, we know that God has bestowed many kindnesses upon ourselves. For example, he took us out of Egypt. He sustained us in the desert for 40 years, etc. There are many times in Jewish history where we will say, thank you to Hashem, that he's always looking after, after us. Let's put it in modern context. Um, when we had the Six-Day War, we say thank you to Hashem. When we had the raid on it in Tebi, we say thank you to Hashem. So King David is basically speaking and he's saying, now that I have become king, now we're putting it in context, Israel will surely have reason to praise Hashem's kindness um, 
because I will be Israel's protection and I will be Israel's defender. For now, I am invested with royal power, and they have nothing more to fear from the in, from from the enemy. So they were going into a period of of summer of sunshine of of good things happening um, after some particularly difficult times. And so too with us, we go through you know our our highs and our lows. Our ebbs and our flows, um, but certainly a Jew, Yomar Na Yisrael, all of Jewish, the Jewish people should say, Kil Oilam Chazdo, that forever, Hashem's kindness is always forever. Verse 3 reads, Yomru Na Beit Aharon, Kil Oilam Chazdo, let the house of Aaron say, his kindness endures forever. And this was in context that David speaking to the Kohanim, the high, the priests, um, because during the time of um, King Saul, the the priests in particular suffered. Um, why? Because there was a a time when um, uh, King Saul ordered the massacre of a priestly city called Nob. Um, he took eighty five lives there, um, and now King David is saying. This is my rule now. Saul's reign of terror has ended and you must praise Hashem for your kindness. And in particular as well, understand that the Kohanim, those of um, our, our Jewish nation who are designated as priests, they will now have the ability in King David's time to rejoice even further. Why? Because they will be, they were particularly hurt by the fact that there wasn't a temple, there was a destruction. There's exile, etc. During David's time, it didn't happen, but it was going to happen now in King Shlomo. The the, the, the temple would have been uh, built and they will have been restored to their jobs, to, to what they had to do. And moving forward on a national level, this is a a a, a call out to all the Kohanim of Ata, Yomar Na Beit Aharon, all of you out there. Praise Hashem and thank Him because in the future you are going to be serving in the third and final Beit HaMikdash, third and final temple that, please God, will be built speedily in our days. We will see it with our own eyes on our TVs, our laptops, our iPads um, because it is going to happen, which just as a PS, that is why still to this very day we have much tension um, regarding the Temple Mount. Uh, it, is, it is a very, very... Um, important um, part of Judaism. Um, it is the seat and the place where we believe, believe Hashem's Shechina rests. And um, the, the tension that we see today, um, you know, on, on a daily basis um, in Israel um, is part of, of the redemptive process of eventually, you know, getting to a point where the world will realize that this is the site where our first temple stood, our second temple stood, and very soon our third temple will reside, um, saying that the wall, the, the Western Wall, and all of the things surrounding it had absolutely nothing to do with us is con- completely and utterly out of context and not true. Yomru na yirei Hashem, um, those who fear God should say, Kilo Elam Chazdo, his kindness um, endures forever. Now, why is he singling out those who fear God? So it says, those who fear God have a special cause to rejoice. Um, why? Because I, says King David, will assure the peace and the security of the land. And the atmosphere of tranquility will be essential for establishing a nationwide awareness 
of God's presence. So all of those that are working on themselves in terms of being God-fearing Jews and wanting to influence others, having peace and stability and tranquility in your surroundings is vitally important um, so that that you know that that spirituality can flourish and similarly we know that when Mashiach will come is the the children of Israel will thank God for releasing them from the need to fear other men we are only going to be yurei hashem people that fear God and will be able to only concentrate on the fear of God um that is that 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 is vitally important. So the first four verses um, come and teach us that we need always to give gratitude to God. We have to know that God is good even in times and spaces and places where it looks as if He is concealed. And we should sing out that this goodness is eternal; it is there always. Um, and we just need to actually like tap into it um, and 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 see it. And I think that when one, one, one's headspace, one's compass is found in that paradigm, things that look bad, the intensity of the darkness um, kind of fades, sometimes goes away quite completely. Then we start at verse 5, which I mentioned at the beginning of um, this week's session um, are the verses that we actually use for Tashlich, for that ceremony that we go to a body of water on the first day of Rosh Hashanah and throw away our sins. The most famous is the first of those couple of verses. That's now I'm talking about verse five of chapter 118 that reads as follows Min Hametzar Karatika Anani Bemerchavka from the Straight from the narrowness, Metzar is narrowness. I call out to you, Hashem. Hashem has answered me with expansiveness. This verse is really laden, uh, heavy with, with really that which is fundamental. The fundamental ideas behind it are as follows. First of all, just in context again of David and, and, and when he was saying it, Mina Metzar Karatika, Meaning, um, I, from, 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 from the, the, the narrow constraints, I called out to you, Hashem, you answered me expansively. This is talking when David said that Shaul was pursuing him and he was confined to narrow caves. Um, and now he's king and he can openly display his royal majesty. What's very interesting about this verse is that, um, Hashem's name over here is only two letters. It's the Yud and the He. I've pronounced it Ka instead of the Yud and the He because one does not pronounce God's name in vain. Um, but Min Hametza Karati Ka, from the narrowness, from the constraint, I have called you Hashem, the Yud and the He um, is, is, is signifying here the concealment of divine presence. That King David, that we as a people, that us, uh, each and every one of us as an individual, calls out to God when things are concealed, when God's involvement in our affairs seems to be tsar, seems to be limited. Um, and so in that limitedness, we see Hashem, so to speak, as being limited. But what happens when we call God from that, that small space, that tiny space, that constricted space, that difficult space? Anani um, he, he, he replies to us with unlimited relief, with expansiveness. 
The word tsar mean hametsar, as you all can hear from the pronunciation, um, has the same um, letters as the word mitzrayim, Egypt. And we know, um, and I think it's become really a well-known understanding for, for anybody who learns Torah, that the whole going out of Egypt, the whole Yitziat Mitzrayim, the whole going out of Egypt is the Yitziat Mitzrayim, the going out of our constraints and the difficult places that we find ourselves in. And just as God responded at that time, when we called out to him from physical Egypt, we pray and we ask that he responds whenever we plead before him. And we are in distress and we ask, we ask that it should be Bemerchav, um, with hirchafta, with relief, with absolute relief. And again, just going back quickly contextually, King David says the following, and it's, it's a quote from the Yerushalmi Talmud. And he says, Master of the universe, whenever I was constricted by difficult circumstances, you provided an avenue of relief and set me free. When I was caught in the dilemma of Bathsheba, you presented me with a wonderful son, Shlomo. When I was embroiled in the distress of all Israel, you eased my burden and gave me permission to prepare for the construction of the Holy Temple. So David himself experienced these ebbs and flows, these constrictions and expansiveness. And he said, I called out and what happened? Hashem answered me with expansiveness. And this really, this verse um, is also used when it comes to Rosh Hashanah. We say these verses before Tchiatsa Shofar, before we blow the Shofar. And one of the ideas um, of the fact that we use this verse um, is because it actually articulates what the Shofar is all about. We all know that the shape of the Shofar is very constrained on the one end and very expansive on the other. Okay, the, the, the wind that is blown into the shofar goes through a very, very narrow corridor and then comes out. And we know that when it does, it comes out with a, with, with a cry, with an appeal. Um, it's, it's a very rudimentary musical instrument. We can't say the shofar is beautiful. It's, but it is very, very soul searching because it is the, the sound itself is saying what the verse is saying and what we should be expressing and feeling. I'm in a stuck place. I'm constrained and I'm blowing from it and I'm waiting for the expansiveness. And really one of Probably David's most, King David's most cherished credos. If there is something that, if you ask, what, what, what would be an underlying idea that King David has running through the whole book of Tehillim? It's this. He's saying to all of us, never be discouraged by the terrible burdens and the pressures of life. That's King David's message. Why? Because every frustrating, every enfeebling nation um, situation is really a divinely ordained opportunity. And it's there for us to overcome adversity. And how do we do that? We have to utilize our own unique talents and ab abilities. So every distress that threatens um, or limits or diminishes an individual is there to really serve to broaden his scope and to enlarge his soul. That was David's credo. In a sense, 
the whole verse, Mina Metza Karatika, Anani Bemerchavka, should have been the national anthem for King David, because that's what he was saying. Life's tough. There's a lot of challenge. There's a lot of burdens. There's a lot of hustle. There's a lot of difficulty. But when we find ourselves in a constrained space, it is only there so that we should look inside of ourselves and find somewhere, something much deeper that will take us to a place that we would not achieve if we didn't have our backs against the wall. How do you feel about that? Has anybody ever experienced that? Have you experienced that in your life? Have you found yourself in a difficult situation, in a, a hard situation, a challenging one? And that has really been the springboard of allowing you to open up something in your life or find skills and abilities that you thought you never had because you had your back against the wall. If you're brave enough to share it, you can SMS on 34519 or you can uh, um, call us on 074-654-7335, WhatsApp 062-148-2374. What's interesting is that then King David goes and he actually gives us food for thought as to how we should get out of our constrained situations. And he launches his following. He goes and he says, Hashem, Hashem Li, God is with me. This is verse 6. Hashem Li, God is with me. Lo ira. I don't, I don't fear. Okay, so what he's saying, like, we're in the despair of exile, we're in the despair of something really, really hard. Hashem's presence is not revealed. He's, it looks like there's limited involvement in the human affairs. Um, I'm looking at Hashem as just the Yud and the Hay. Okay, he looks like he's, he's constrained, but what? Hashem li, yud ke vav ke, the whole of Hashem in his full and, and, and in his essence and in his revelation, Hashem is with me. Lo ira, there is no reason for me to be scared. And he goes on to say, ma yaseli adam, how can man affect me? Because he realizes that no individual can harm him. Even an entire nation cannot overwhelm any other person or tear another person away from their faith if they don't want. If you go with the faith of God, God, then you're okay. Um, there's a midrash that says, Abraham, our forefather, Abraham said, what can the enemy Avimelech do to me? And Yaakov, Jacob, our forefather said, what can my malicious brother Esau, Esau do to me? And King David would say, what can that gigantic rival Goliath do to me? Why? Because Maya Seliadam, what can man do to me? Zero, Zach, Nada, nothing. Because when Hashem Li, when Hashem is with me, Lo Ira, I have absolutely no no fear at all. And he goes further into verse seven and says, Hashem Li Beozrai, not only is Hashem with me, Hashem is with me through my helpers. Meaning you can surround yourself and think that there are other people around you that are going to help you. But the only confidence that you place is in Hashem, not, not with other people. Because if the other people are not granted the strength by God, 
Their assistance is futile and worthiness. This is like a huge lesson. Perhaps one of the most profound places to learn that is when it comes to medicine. Doctors are there. They're there to assist us with the healing. They're not God. They're only there to help us because God wants to help us and he uses them as, as that skill. So they're, if they are not granted the strength, if they're not granted the wisdom, the understanding, then they cannot heal. And so basically what King David is saying, he says, I recognize that Hashem is the source of all power and he has stripped my enemies of their power and he's invested that power in me and my helpers. And I have full confidence because I know now that Hashem li loira, Hashem is with me. I have absolutely nothing to fear. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. And welcome back, and we are going through chapter 118. We're around about verse 7, where Hashem is with me through my helpers, through people who Hashem endows to, 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 assist, us, uh, to assist us with. Let's just finish the last um, part of that. He says, I can face my enemies. Now, David was talking about physical enemies, people who tried to dethrone him, people who tried to kill him. Um, all of us have enemies. We have enemies sometimes that are subtle. Um, they could be psychological enemies. They could be um, thought patterns and, 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 and mental blueprints that we have that are, that are our enemies. It, the, our enemies could be made of emotional stuff. But once one places his trust in Hashem and one knows that wherever Hashem has put him is for the good, one is able to, 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 to see and to experience salvation. In fact, our rabbis teach us that a person who deserves salvation is granted the privilege of witnessing the downfall of his enemies. An example given is that Israel deserved, B'nai Israel deserved um, uh, salvation, so they saw the death of the Egyptians at the sea. Um, the rabbis actually just go on and say, further, anyone who is saved by the merits of another does not deserve this privilege. So an example of that, for example, um, as we know famously, is that of Lot, of Abraham's nephew, who was served by virtue of Abraham's merit. Um, he was forbidden to look back upon the destruction of Storm. So um, we are taught, interestingly, by uh, the, the uh, Rabbi Yosef Leib Bloch of Telsha, he said um, that a man is known by his enemies. If one's enemies are righteous people, then he surely must be at fault. But if he hate, he's hated by the wicked, then he must be highly commendable. Now, this is a very interesting thing because this is showing a principled man. What the, the Talsha Rebbe was saying was that um, in order for one to be moral, one to be integritous, integrous, one has to know what is right and what is wrong. And one needs to despise the wrong, even you know, that you're going to make enemies. It's not always the best thing to make peace with every enemy. There are times we need to stand strong and we need to go and say, this is where it's at. This is what is happening. This is where I believe this is, this is my stand. And if you don't like it, well, tough. Um, that this lesson obviously can, can, can be learned out loud and clear. Um, when we look now at the, the, the land of Israel and the many enemies it faces, the way that we ward off the enemy is to stand strong, not to cower and not to capitulate and not to be nice because when it is, we'll just get swallowed up. Um, 
It's a time to have faith in God and know that Hashem is always good. That all promises that Hashem has made in the Torah um, have come true, will come true, and we must remain strong in our faith despite the many, many threats that we have. I have an interesting um, comment that has just come through, and I do agree with it. That reads as follows, you cannot deal with this unless you have read Rabbi Arusha's latest, Say Thank You and See Miracles. It's called The Garden of Miracles. Absolutely. And Rabbi Arusha is one of many, many um, sages in many, many works going all the way back to King David that has made it his credo, Hodul Hashem Kitov. Just say thank you. Be cognizant of the fact that Hashem is with you in everything that you do, wherever you are found, connect with him and um, you're then a for away. You will be able to, 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 to see life on a totally, totally different, uh, in a different paradigm. Thank you for that comment. Um, let's just do two more verses before time runs away from us. Um, verse 8 reads, Tov lachasot bahashem miptoach ba'adam. It is better to take refuge in Hashem than to rely on man. Now, here there are two very interesting verses. The Vilna Gaon brings uh, two interesting words. The Vilna Gaon brings, he says, what is the difference from tov lachasot? Chasot comes from the word chisayon. Chisayon means to take refuge. And then he goes, Tov lachasot ba'ashem, it is good to take refuge in Hashem. Miptoach ba'adam, then having bitachon, having reliance. So uh, the Vilna Gaon goes on to explain that chisayon, taking refuge, denotes absolute confidence even though there are no guarantees to be given. So for example, one might seek Machase, um, refuge behind a boulder or under a roof. But neither the boulder nor the roof have pledged shelter, um, even though one has confidence in their indestructibility. Bitochon reliance, however, presupposes a promise of protection. It's like you'll receive a haftacha, a pledge. That comes from Bitochon, a pledge of protection from a military power. So what King David is teaching us over here is that it's far better to put one's trust in Hashem's protection, even without a pledge from him, than rely on the most profuse assurances of human beings. And don't we know that? Is that not true? That many, many times a person's redemption comes from something totally, you know, like it's it's the wild card. It's 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 the outside horse that comes in and brings the redemption when we thought, no, it's okay if I rely on this and I rely on this person, etc. etc. So that's why King David says, Tovlachasot ba Hashem, it is better to take refuge in Hashem, where you don't even have a pledge of protection, even though in truth you know that you're totally protected, than to take uh, than to rely on man. And he takes it one step further. Um, in verse 9, where he reads, Tov lachasot ba Hashem, it is better to take refuge in Hashem, miptoch benedivim, than to rely on nobles. Now, nedivim has, has, can have two connotations. Nedivim, nobles could mean the who-has and the who's who in society. Many people think, well, you know, I'm well placed in society. I know the CEO of this and I know the prime minister of that and I know the president of that and the chairman of whom. And, you know, I have no problem. Um, you know, I will be secure. And how many, many times have we seen that even the noblemen, those that are, you know, way up there will easily 
and quite comfortably turn their backs on us um, when 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 necessary. So that is the one one idea of Nedivim of nobles that King David repeats. Like it's not only Tov Lachasot Hashem Adam. It's better take refuge in Hashem than rely on man. He's saying you might have in your mind the separation between man, ordinary people, and then the who's who and what's what's of society. Even the who's who's and the what's what's of society. The Nedivim rather take the chisayon, the refuge in Hashem, than the 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 the, the false promises that. Um, the nobles, but Ibn Yahya, which is a commentator on um, Tehillim, goes and says Nedivim are not actually the nobles. Here, Nedivim are talking about the seventy ministering angels that are God's agents for governing the seventy peoples of this earth. Now, these seventy angels that the Ibn Yahya is um, talking about as um, are. are Angels, each angel is in charge of one of the 70 nations of this world, and they um, compose the heavenly tribunal which surrounds Hashem's celestial throne. There are those positioned on God's left that are harsh and that are unrelenting in their demands for strict justice, and there are those who stand on God's right. Okay, they're called more than Nidivim, the generous ones, and they, their desire is to treat mankind with compassion. So there's a whole argument that goes up. They're in heaven, upstairs in heaven, um, about, you know, the comings and the goings and the doings of this world. Nevertheless, says King David, it is far better to take refuge in the mercy of Hashem than to rely on the kindness of these noble angels. Don't even think that you can play around with the celestial stuff and say, well, you know what? Okay, so it's not the chairman. It's not, you know. The, the, the CEO that's going to come, like, I've, I've got even some pool in heaven. Nothing. Hashem li lo ira. Hashem is with me. I will not fear. Maya li adam. Man can do absolutely nothing. And this is the message I'm going to leave um, with you, all High FM listeners out there. You know, the world is turbulent. There is a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of stuff that, that makes us really nervous, worried, apprehensive, anxious, you name it. Okay. The way that a Jew lives is not by being swallowed up in this sea of difficulty and challenges, but to wake up every single morning with the understanding that Hashem is with us. There's nothing to fear. He's guiding each and every one of our steps and he will lead us through it. And we have to praise Hashem because we know that everything he does is for the good. Wishing you an incredible, wonderful, and hopefully warmer week.